Welcome to Super Cool Party People, a Gilmore Girls podcast where three friends obsessed with Gilmore Girls and each other come together to overanalyze, share personal favorites, and hardcore giggle about the impact the girls and their wacky cast of Stars Hollow Misfits has had on them, all the while keeping them accountable to actually talking to each other on a regular basis. Welcome. Thank you. Man, another episode. We are, as, as soon as we start making a podcast, our regularity and communication is just spot on. Yes, I know. I was like, this is this podcast is really doing its job. Exactly. This is exactly what we wanted. So I'm so glad it's happening. Yes. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah. Just busy working. Yeah, I figured you're still actively at the Lord's Chicken House. Yes, I am. I just worked there yesterday afternoon. Oh, goodness me. Working. You know, giving people their food in the drive-thru. Are you always a drive-thru person? Um, Not always, but... You're well, either. <laughs> yes. A lot of the time I'm either taking orders in the drive-thru or doing outside expo, which is giving people their food on the other side of the drive-thru. Sure. Um, but a lot of times I'm also like running mobile orders to cars or uh, like Monday night I was cashier. So I was taking orders inside. Okay. Like you can't do Huh? You kind of do a variety of things. Yes. Are you ever back of house? No, I am a front of house employee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Love it. Although I do really enjoy, like, sometimes at the end of my shift, they'll have me, like, stock for a little while. Oh, interesting. Um, so, like, stocking the cups up front or, yeah, literally whatever drive through or front counter needs, like the salad toppings or like wraps and fruit cups and that kind of stuff from the back so I like doing that too yeah that makes sense um do we believe it's true to ripo fashion that she might be a little later than us Mm, yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, maybe if I should bug her some more but I think she'll make it on (laughs) yes oh man well how have you been Good. I've been kind of busy running around. Um, as you all know, I guess our listeners don't know. I think, actually, we have more than four to six, according to the app that we use. I all think right. Outside of the three of us, there's probably eight listeners or so. Wow. <laughs> all of which who know us, I believe. So. Amazing. But um, as you know, as my listeners don't, our listeners don't know, I finished my master's on Monday. So... That feels great to be yes. done. And then I leave literally right after we finish recording. So, and then Yay. when I get back from vacation, I will move to Middle Tennessee. So, so I've just been trying to get ready for the move and vacation and stuff like that. So it's been fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Exciting. Where are you going on vacation? Great question. So right after we get off, I will, um, pick up my little sister from the airport and then we'll drive to North Carolina and stay the night with my older sister and her family. Mm-hmm. Then we'll drive to Myrtle beach and spend a few days there. 
Um, but then we'll come back here. Actually, I just lied to you. Um, we'll go back to my older sisters. Um, we'll go to church with them on Sunday. And then we'll come back here to East Tennessee. And we are doing like severe Vol Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, all that stuff for like five. Yeah. So looking forward to it with the kids. So. Yeah. Are y'all going to Dollywood? No, so that's the thing. We're doing everything but Dollywood. Okay. We go to Dollywood. Like, we used to take them every summer. We used to get season passes, even when mm-hmm. they didn't in East Tennessee. And they would always see these things that we drove by. Like, what's that? Can we go do that? So we're going to do, like, a everything that you had seen but haven't done in Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg kind of thing. <laughs> that's so fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Like, we're going to do those both those water parks. Um, okay. Well, Hey, we're going to have to do another link, I think. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hang up on you. I'll send a new one. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, no, here she is. <gasps> Yay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, like, tried multiple times to connect through this link, and it was not happening. But yay, it worked. <laughs> what happened this last time? It just, like, went through? <laughs> it was, yeah, it just went through. The first two or three times I tried, it was just, like, welcome to Anchor. Do you want to use some tools? And I was, like. No. <laughs> Do you want paper and screwdriver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a really, really great level if you're hanging anything on the wall. Thank you, Anchor. <laughs> so helpful. How are you guys doing? It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, I, we want to hear about you, but we're doing, we're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you guys might hear some like kitcheny shuffling noises. I was like in the middle of making coffee, which is why I didn't see your messages that you had already started recording. But I feel like extra Gilmore proficient to be making coffee right now. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, hold on just one second. My earbuds are in the wrong ears. It's one of those mornings. (laughs) I woke up today and was like, Wait, is it Thursday? And then I was like, it absolutely isn't. <laughs> but they were like, hey, by the way, we're on recording. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in my kitchen. I don't have my phone. Yeah. Wait, so how do you like your kitchen and everything? <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's still, it's really surreal, like adjusting to living by myself in an apartment. Mm-hmm. because I've lived in an apartment before with lovely roommates and so the th- the main thing that's still surprising to me is like wherever I put things they stay there they don't move <laughs> like I, I'm aware that this is like basic rudimentary physics but also <laughs> so, yeah Physics is at play here. <laughs> yeah, and I will admit I didn't take physics in high school, so okay, this is some experiential learning for me. <laughs> but yeah, it's really wild. But things are going well. I'm still getting, you know, unpacking last few boxes. I hung my first picture on the wall yesterday. Oh. Um, I have a pantry that has cans of food in it. There you go. So yeah, it's it's exciting and. Also, fun development that I don't know will come up in the pod, but I haven't talked about with either of you yet. Um, controversial, but I'm actually getting some pet rats next week to keep me company. <laughs> oh my god, that was ten times worse than anything I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> like I know, I know, people have like very mixed opinions, but 
What were you going to say? Multiple. You're getting multiple. Yes. So they're social little critters. Okay. Um, wow. So I'm getting two boys. Uh, found them on Indianapolis Craigslist. (laughs) I know. I'm really excited. The lady I'm texting uh, who I'm going to get them from, she was like, I love them so much. They're so sweet. But my small son just terrorizes them. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. But But she was like, I give them an oatmeal bath every other week. And like all these different things. I was like, you are the nicest person to own a rat that ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have other living creatures to care for and live in my apartment, which I think will be helpful to the adjustment. Yes. Yes. I. Oh. All right. Do you kind of want to take over hostess? Hostess? (gasps) Oh my gosh. As I literally put sugar in my coffee cup several thousand miles from my computer with my notes on it. Just one second. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to hear how you guys are doing. Please fill me in on your lives. And I got to listen to last week's episode and it made me <laughs> so happy. Kelsey, you're a phenomenal co host. I'm so glad she got to be on the pod. She was amazing. She's mm-hmm. so smart. And yes. Oh my gosh. But how are you guys doing? Any um, <laughs> enormous life updates since last time? And Mr. King, when are you moving? Utter silence. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll let you know. I'm doing. Oh, please. I'm doing good. I. I don't think I have really any major updates. I'm just working. And. Yeah, hanging out with friends as much as I can. I've gotten Mm -hmm. to see some good friends in the past week or so. So that was really nice. Um, last week I was taking care of a friend's cats while they were on vacation, and that was super fun. Really? Because, oh, Cam, you're, like, not the world's biggest cat person, correct? I know. Well, yes, I would still say that I'm more of a dog person. However, these friends in particular, I think, have helped me like cats more. Because they got their first cat about a year ago. And now they have another little kitten, um, and their cats are sweet. And, like, I I think my part of my maybe dislike of cats originally was just that my family never had a cat. We were never going to have a cat because my sister is allergic. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom just, Denise has strong opinions about things. Yes. (laughs) Um, and so I think part of it was just like, okay, dogs are better, which I think I still like dogs better, but I do enjoy cats as well. And, um, yes, the cats were so sweet to me. We became such good buddies last week. So that was nice. Yay. Oh my gosh. I loved everything about that update. And I think, spoiler alert, this will get into something that I wanted to talk about later in the episode. Most of my notes for this one were just like, weird little quirky things that I'm noticing on this particular watch through. And one of them was when Lorelai is, or Rory is teasing Lorelai about you don't like cats. So you're going to be alone forever if you don't find someone. Mm-hmm. So oh. we're going to, 
we're going to have to talk all about pets later. But Mr. King, I want to hear how you're doing. When are you moving? What yeah. is your human life like? Go. Yeah. Human life, <laughs> as opposed to my alien life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so first of all, if there's silence, every now and then I have a weaker internet connection, I think. So like it takes mine like 10 seconds to catch up and then I'm back with you all. So there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, human Human life is great. Um, as you all know, I was telling Leah right before you logged on, Riley, I was like, I finished my master's a couple days ago. <laughs> so I've just been, like, hanging and trying to, like, finish packing up. Because literally right after we record, I leave for vacation. And then, what the, like, day we get back from vacation, the next day I pack up, like, everything. And I move the day after that, which is August 8th, 9th, one of those Oh, my days. gosh. Wow. Wrong, yeah. We're on vacation for like eleven-ish days, and then I move. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you kings really know how to vacation. Oh, we go all out, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but it's like been like looming. Like, can't wait to go on vacation. Can't wait to move, and now it's all here. Uh-huh. With the Gilmore Girls podcast recording, of course. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, the best way to celebrate major life milestones. <laughs> okay. So as um, visiting, I was going to say visiting lecturer, as <laughs> as an adjunct here at the podcast, um, <laughs> as the visiting host slash, it seems like we're kind of, I don't know how to best call that, the person yeah. who picked the episode for this week, um, I thought something that might be kind of fun for our you know, four to six listeners who maybe aren't re-watching the podcast with, re-watching the podcast, lol, <laughs> uh, re-watching the show with us would be to, like, give the episode we're talking about, like, which season it's in, but also, like, a very brief description of what happens, kind of mm-hmm. jog the memory wheel a little bit. So I went to uh, the Blessed Gilmore Girls wiki. Oh, my which it was actually my first visit there. And I would imagine further visits will be very elucidating for the pod. But today we're talking about season one, episode eight. I'm very excited about it. So th- via the Gilmore Girls wiki, the first snowfall prompts Lorelai and Max's first date while Rory is stuck in Hartford with Richard and Emily. Mm-hmm. Lane is upset with Rory for being distracted with Chilton and Dean. So. Oh, that is very succinct. I <laughs> know. Good episode. Oh my gosh, yes. And the good people at the Gilmore Girls Wiki, they're really serving us uh, very well. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say, my notes immediately under this are about last week's episode too, because, okay, controversy. Scandal. Not really. There's no scandal. Um, I got to choose this week's episode and I was, you know, cruising through um, like a list of the episodes in season one, kind of trying to jog my memory about what happened. And when I saw this one, I was like, oh, Max Medina. Hello. We're picking it. (laughs) So uh, I was really excited because it's been really fun. Like my last all the way watch through of Gilmore was probably a couple years ago. And so, yeah, it's been a minute. And so I have, like, matured as a human being and in my understanding of relationships in the world. And so it's really interesting rewatching all of these relationships that I have strong opinions about that I formed when I was, like, 17 or 18 years old mm-hmm. uh, the first time I was watching Gilmore and being like, hmm, 
So I've been really interested by kind of how my understanding of Max and Lorelai's relationship has changed. So I was really excited to talk about Max. But then when I watched season one, episode seven, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's the episode for our four to six listeners, again, who are not rewatching the show. That's the episode where Dean comes over for a movie night, which is like yes. huge familial thing for a Gilmore to invite a non-Gilmore to a movie night, like groundbreaking. And, you know, there's all of the jokes about getting sick and dying of like eating too many red vines. And uh, mm. there's that really beautiful tit for tat at the end with Dean and Lorelai where that. Oh my gosh, where she's like, this is my daughter and these are my rules. And he's like, you can scare me with your tiny town full of weird people all you want. Uh, I need you to be on my side. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So I just want to like, issue a brief apology that we're not talking about that episode. But I think <laughs> this one will be great too. Yeah. Um, also, you guys were bringing such legitimate criticism, especially Kelsey last week when she was talking about, well, I think Kelsey and Leah both talked about this, like the utter unbelievability of the Gilmore finances of, for the younger yes. Gilmores. Yes. Because literally in episode seven, Lorelai drops 41.83 on junk food at Dosi's for one Willy Wonka movie night. And then they spend $15 on a pizza that they didn't even finish. What? Well, and I will say about the fact that they didn't finish it, you see leftover pizza in their fridge at some point in the series. In the and future. so, yes, at least they didn't, I'm assuming, they didn't just throw it away. I hope They're, not. It's not beneath them to eat leftovers. However, I totally agree with you. $41, Lorelai, on one movie night. <laughs> and this is like $41 in like, what year? Two thousand. Yeah, right. How how many red vines did you buy? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but okay. I feel like I had a really long diatribe about economics, so (laughs) I'm glad you got to weigh in on that. (laughs) Yes, thank you guys for bringing the realist criticism of the show, and I'm going to start us off season one, episode eight. Uh, My first bullet point, all bold, all caps. First town meeting. Literally yes. exact same thing. I was like, all caps, Taylor, first town meeting. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. What are our thoughts? Ugh. I was just so glad to have a town meeting scene because Ugh. it becomes so iconic. You see these often and it's, you know, where the drama happens and mm. where a lot of um, funny stuff <laughs> happens. <laughs> And where you see Taylor being Taylor. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, oh, though, man. that in the first season, we see that they actually have a mayor. Exactly. Uh, Taylor's not Literally. exactly. Like, even it, like, caught me off guard. Rory referred to Taylor as Taylor Dosey at one point. And I was like, why'd you just use his last name? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Dosey, comma, town selectman. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching it, like, you know, in my, like, probably, like, 48th watch through. And I'm being like, okay, let's just solve this mystery. And, like, trying to pay attention. And, like, I feel like they were, Sherman Paladins are like, let's try to have a mayor. And Taylor's, like, one of the top guys, but not the mayor. 
but mm-hmm. he does a lot of the funny work. And then eventually they're like, let's just get rid of the mayor and it's going to be Taylor. <laughs> but like yeah. Taylor's title is still town selectman. But I don't know if anyone notices this, but in the very last season, he calls himself the mayor. And I think that's like, I don't think there's like an understood like, oh, he's been promoted to mayor. I think they're just like, eh, town selectman is the same thing as mayor. And <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> there's like a little lazy on their part, but they're like, you know what? Let's just get rid of this old mayor guy. We want Taylor Dozy. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted too. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, as I'm kind of self-monitoring my emotional responses to characters again, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know why I said that so clinically. Um <laughs> <laughs> I find that the more times I watch, the more I like Taylor. I don't know if that's a typical experience, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, like maybe it's just nostalgia. I don't know. But I was so excited to see him. I think his first episode is technically episode seven, but to just see him again and he's in his element and mm-hmm. it made me really happy. Um. I also, okay, another point for your consideration and potential debate. Um, I was thinking about, you know, when Lorelai and Rory are watching Luke in town hall and he's all fidgety and they're like, oh, he's grabbing his hat. Like they know he's going to blow up, which is hilarious. (laughs) Um, We kind of see Luke being a curmudgeon again. And so I was wondering if maybe we were talking about how in the pilot he's really health conscious and like, Early on, he's very eco-conscious in a way that he doesn't tend to be throughout the series as a whole. And so I'm wondering if maybe the health-conscious Luke in the pilot is just the first iteration of Luke the curmudgeon who stays with us the whole show. Like, maybe they're just trying to find a way to write that character trait and they didn't quite land on it until a little later. I totally agree. I totally agree. Because I think the health, because we talked about the health conscious thing on our first episode, and like and like bits and pieces of it come up later when he talks about how Lorelai's unhealthy and stuff like that. But like I do, I I, I think you're spot on. They're like we need to make Luke just really, like yeah, curmudgeon is probably the best word. I was like about this and this, and he has different topics, and so he's very curmudgeon-y about the reenactors as well, or whatever we're talking about mm-hmm. here. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you there. But it makes me excited to, like, keep seeing where we're going with character development and how the writing is going to kind of evolve as they kind of hit their stride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we also talked about, like, season one is so good and it's so true to, like, the heart of the show. But there are still those little things that it's like, oh, maybe we didn't quite get it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because especially in in this episode, actually, which I'm excited to talk about because I'm sure it's going to come up. As I'm listening to another podcast because we're making our own and it's like again it's the one that's like a gold star and ours is like not even in the running for honorable mention <laughs> <laughs> like they like are the ones with the licensed music and go in order and they're really good and I shouted them out last week but like hearing them talk I'm like find myself disagreeing with them a lot but I'm like no I think they're actually like breaking down character development and me being a little more hopelessly romantic than most I'm like no like Lorelai's perfect Rory's perfect like and I'm like this is kind of realistic like and so Mm -hmm. by both making this podcast and listening to that other one and my watch through all this combined I'm like wow I'm finally actually like seeing some character development and some character flaws that I I think I even denied my first 84 times watching it (laughs) anyways go ahead oh man well 
Okay, my next bullet point uh, (laughs) is a little bit funny. So we're moving on in our episode from wonderful first town meeting, stellar, absolutely stunning. I love that we already see the enmity between Taylor and Andrew, by the way. Me too. Uh, about yeah. the lava lamp. Yeah. Me too. I love it so much. It's like, at least I don't sell drug paraphernalia to children. <laughs> and the way like, that Taylor says it is so funny. He's like, there is no, u- no use for a lava lamp unless you're on drugs. Like, he's <laughs> so adamant about it. And it's like, it lava was, lamp. Like, I don't it, <laughs> so Taylor Dosey. Oh my gosh. But okay, so moving on from the delight, the joy of the first town meeting to mm-hmm. it's the middle of the night we're mm-hmm. opening the window we can smell snow yes. um, my bullet point for this uh, scene says Lorelai those pigtails you are a whole entire adult woman but okay <laughs> your first thought Mm-mm. don't be doing that <laughs> but what did you okay what did you guys think about a smelling the snow a classic gilmore trope that will come to delight us later mm-hmm. b that max medina voicemail oh wow okay yeah well i'm gonna let y'all talk first <laughs> <laughs> okay well i'll say that i made was just that i think i don't know this for sure but in the past several years i have grown to love winter more and mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of snow which is unfortunate but I still have grown to love like cold weather more and I'm like I wonder if Lorelai's love for like snow and the cold weather because she starts listening to Rory like the sweaters and the cute clothes and boots and all the good things that come with snow and cold weather um I'm like I wonder if that has persuaded me to like cold weather more I don't know maybe I'm just I don't know I do like it more now so Mm -hmm. thanks Lorelai if it was you (laughs) persuaded me (laughs) um anyway about the um voicemail what a good voicemail (laughs) (laughs) I just I think one of my favorite parts about Max and Lorelai is just that they are both so good with words. Oh man. Like, oh yeah. So witty and so quick and <laughs> that just makes it fun to listen to their dialogue. So yeah, I loved his voicemail. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean related to that uh Leah, I was looking later in or later in the episode when he actually comes to Stars Hollow and they're mm-hmm. having that like snappy snappy back and forth walking Mm -hmm. down the sidewalk with their food which this is totally a rabbit trail but I was like is that an Al's Pancake World window stand like (laughs) where where did they get the Fiesta burgers what is that restaurant so that's the same place that shows up later in the second season when they're on the way on the way to Hartford for Richard's like new business um Uh, and like Roy's in the cast and I don't actually know we might I don't actually know if we ever get like a like a name or a vision of that place but if it's I mean maybe we should go back and watch and see if it's Al's because that would not be a inaccurate guess in terms of what Al tends to serve (laughs) (laughs) oh no wait 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 isn't it this is that the same place where they pick up food when they have BWR nights when like Dean and uh, oh that's what I 
Yeah, and they well, give it a name, don't they? Yes. Just that so, whole like, Luke's but, like, why would you from my place? I'm maybe not sure if it's... Maybe it is meant to be the same place. I don't know. Because it seems like the Fiesta Burger is pretty good. Oh, but, that's a good like, one. spicy, but good. Like, that's based good. on their reaction. But the food that they get later... Yeah. With, like... When Lorelai, are you referring to when Lorelai and Luke are dating? Yeah, they're like, it's relatively. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good Mm. point. In my head, there should only be one, like, walk up window in Stars Hollow. (laughs) (laughs) It is, that is another point, though, of like how many quirky independent dining establishments can one small New England town feasibly (laughs) sustain? Yeah. Clearly, everyone's like, we love Luke's. I was like, but is there, there must be enough patronage for Al's Pancake World to stay open as well yeah. as this place. Like, like, and also that little breakfast place that Michelle goes to when Luke's out of town. I can't remember what season that is. Uh, and the Hungry Diner. I hate that I got that so quickly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or what's the place... Uh, the nice lady who makes cakes and what? then oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, oh. okay I this feels <laughs> this feels weird to say but I am weirdly excited for when we get to the episode of her funeral question mark because <laughs> yeah. it's obviously we're like jumping way ahead and this was all a rabbit trail about Al's Pancake World which I'm here <laughs> for um, <laughs> but <laughs> I love the interreligious interactions in that episode. I love it. Seeing how they use the same building as like a synagogue and a church. And (laughs) when they just come in and slap the Star of David on the wall instead of the cross and just get get going. It makes you really happy. And he's like, sorry, Archie. Like, no problem. Well, like in some other episodes, they're like, having like breakfast together at Luke's Diner. They're yes, like, yeah. we're all the religious leaders of this town. We can be best friends. Like I was like, that's actually a really sweet picture of like, you know, being able to be unified, blah blah blah. I'm like, maybe I'm reading way into that, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me too. So <laughs> there's a lot that we'll get to. Maybe we should have like a mandatory one Al's Pancake World digression per episode because this <laughs> has opened up a lot of fun doors. Sure. <laughs> um but okay, semi serious thought slash observation I just wanted to put before the group um okay so when Rory wakes up and hears Lorelai listening to the voicemail again and she's Mm -hmm. like more fodder for the tell-all which by the way was a hilarious line Mm -hmm. um I am thinking a lot more seriously this time about what is what are the like the moral implications or even just the relational implications of Lorelai and Max being together? And how does this unfairly put stress on Rory? Does it unfairly put stress on Rory? I would argue yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, okay, I was really thinking about this for the first time in this episode when they're talking about the voicemail and Rory's like, why are you listening to it again? And Lorelai's like, because it's so sexy. Or when are you going to stop listening to it? And she says, when it stops being sexy. And yeah. Rory's like, um, ew, that's my teacher. Yes. And then Lorelai says, okay, if it makes you feel any better while he's being sexy, he's being grammatically correct. <laughs> <laughs> Which, A, great line, very funny and true. But also, I'm thinking a lot more about, like, 
the emotional and relational complexity of the situation for Rory. Yes. Like, I love Max Medina as an individual for Lorelai. I love, like Leo was saying, I love their rapport. I love how snappy they are and just both so quick witted. Mm-hmm. And I love getting to see them together. They're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But like, I just, I don't know. There's something that feels really unfair to Rory about the whole situation. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Are you guys on this umpteenth watch, uh, <laughs> like having different feelings about this than you maybe have before? I know I'm like biasedly yeah. pro Max. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I literally was had the exact same reaction. And again, partially mm-hmm. because of being inspired by making a podcast and listening to your podcast. But Again, my first 84 times, I'm like, oh, like, cute little banter. Like, she's like, oh, like, let me talk about my girl. Like, let my new boo with you, Rory. But I'm like, he legitimately is her teacher. Like, yeah. like the voicemail is sweet itself. The scene afterwards when she's talking with Rory about it, I literally put it down, literally made me a little uncomfortable. Because I just, yeah. I just, close as they are, I was like, it's a mother talking about the man who is her English teacher. Like, if you put it in those words. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like, and that I couldn't get past that. Yike. Like, I, I think that's going to resonate with me as we keep moving through um, our next episodes and our next podcast. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, it, it, exact same thing as you said, Riley. Like, I don't think I actually got to that understanding until now. Because again, I yeah. tend to romanticize a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because even later in the episode, like, when she's she's not sure if she's gonna invite Max into the house because like she doesn't do that to yes. protect Rory. I'm like that there to me it seemed like that was conflicting, like yeah. immoralized character. That yeah. like she would sit on the couch and like make all these comments about her like potential boyfriend who is also Rory's teacher, but then she's also like, but I have to be careful and protect my daughter and it's like well why were you (laughs) talking about him this way like with her which I guess Rory um she didn't seem like extremely uncomfortable I like I just wonder if Lorelai talks about other men that she dates that way in the past you know yeah a great point and like that's something that I thought about now that you jumped to that and we can go back but like I, when, like, because Lorelai made it very clear. She's like, you know, Roy's met them, but, like, you know, it's my rule. I just don't bring them in. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's the one to not bring in, it's the one that's her teacher. I'm like, I literally would feel, <laughs> I would feel more, like, way more guarded. Be like, all right, take a taxi home. Like, see you later. <laughs> and, like, and that's where I got a little, uh, ups- I don't want to say upset at Max. And, again, I didn't figure this out until, you know, yesterday. Um, and because it was like he, you know, took that really good and very convincing and even kind of romantic be like at some point you have to decide when someone's op- worth opening the door for and i'm like or also just let her not open the door like you didn't yeah. or this is your first date like you just are it's literally your first date like you have not you're not you haven't been dating for months like i don't right. think you're ready for that so anyways yeah, yeah he should have been the one to say okay good night it's yeah. okay like we should do it again, but yeah, he was just kind of so, the one person. Right. And just so our listeners know, we are all pro Max as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's lovely. Well, and I think this will be a hate cast for Jason. 
<laughs> yes, this is the Digger Styles hate cast. And this is a Max Medina love cast. Make sure we all know. <laughs> but yeah, I think too, something that's interesting and that our four to six readers might have... Readers? Wow. <laughs> our, our four to six readers. We, we should really put out transcripts of this podcast. Oh, I no. think the, oh, no. the, horrible. the public would really just eat it up. Um something that may not have been clear in our like introductory episode, but that is true about all of us is that we're all in education in some form or fashion. So like I I thought about that in recording this episode, I was like, I think it should be clear that we all have a a foot in education and we care about that. So yeah. Yeah. And like Mr. King having been in it a a bit longer than (laughs) uh, Leah or me, but yeah, I think we really care about like, I've started to think a lot more, especially in the past couple of years about like, how do I best care for my students? And what are my, you know, responsibilities to them as someone who, yes, is trying to help them grow in my discipline, but also like as people, like whole people, um, emotionally and spiritually and whatever else. So like to see something like this, which like threatens to really compromise not only Rory's tenuous social life at Chilton, which I'm sure we'll continue to see develop throughout the season, but Max already knows that she's having a really hard time adjusting. And so like it, it seems really irresponsible of him and selfish, honestly, to, to be putting his own enjoyment and pleasure and excitement or whatever over Rory's, healthy development as the daughter of a single mom in a new social setting where she's continuing to catch up so right yeah I think I'm thinking about it a lot more like psychologically like developmentally just as like not great pedagogy (laughs) not great teaching okay I'm so glad you said because like those were literally my thoughts and a lot of my notes. And I was like, oh, but like Rory, or Rory, um, Riley is so pro-Max. And I was like, I don't want to say these things, but I'm glad you're just like seeing them, so. Yeah, well, and I think too, it's okay to draw a line between like, I don't think we're going to like read our teaching statements on the podcast or anything. Like, <laughs> this is a Gilmore Girls fun thing that we're doing. But I mean, I think it is relevant to bring up something that really matters to all of us and that we have thoughts yeah. and opinions about and that, you know, impacts the people that are given to us to care for um, for a time. Mm-hmm. So nobody, <laughs> none of us will be dating the parents of our students, just to be clear. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, also, okay, a, a slightly more lighthearted thing before we get to Rich Blumenfeld. Oh, love it so much. Um I was thinking, I have a theory, and it is not a fleshed out theory, so I need the help of my beloved Gilmore compatriots in this time. Yes. Um, we are here for you. Oh, yes. My gosh, that means the world. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about how, okay, we have so many comparisons between Dean and Christopher, Dean and Christopher. Side note, the, oh my gosh, Dean looks just like Christopher did at that age. Absolute bull, but Okay. Um, <laughs> so true so true when we see the photo booth picture this episode and it's like oh man a spitting image of dean like no <laughs> what what the heck was that poor I, casting i literally but, made that same note i was like okay like this is clearly like like lauren graham and whatever his name is i was like just doctored up a little bit i was like <laughs> nothing like yes. like <laughs> And side note, whatever his name is, does a great job as Christopher. I really enjoy his performance, even though I have really complex feelings about Christopher. Mm. But yeah. um, 
throughout the whole series, he does a great job as mm-hmm. that character because he's not yeah. a he's not a beloved character by everybody. So mm-hmm. like he's controversial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am curious. Okay, so my theory, my my nascent theory, still in development. Um, it seems like at this point in the series, Rory and Lorelai are romantically perpendicular. So, like, I just tried to use a math word. Please, recent math master, uh, help me <laughs> help me clarify my terms here. But it I'm seems like it seems like right now, Rory's love interest, aka Dean is the kind of person that Lorelai we would expect to be interested in. And Lorelai's love interest, a.k.a. Max, is the kind of person we would expect Rory to be interested in. Not as her teacher, to be clear. But personality. Yeah. And I mean, we have this fun scene at the beginning of this episode where Rory's like, I'll trade you cookies for Charlotte Bronte. Like, read more books, please, you dummy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, like... She's having to, like, bribe Dean to read Jane Austen. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you know, Max is an English teacher. And I think he's an early modernist, if I understood correctly. Um, yeah, I think that's right. So he's studying Renaissance lit. Mm-hmm. So, like, very much, like, right up Roy's alley for someone who she could really get along well with and, like, all these things. Mm-hmm. So, like, A, do you guys feel like that's a legitimate theory? And B, how are we going to see that evolve over the course of the series? Oh, wow. I 100% agree with the theory. I wouldn't have thought about it until you mentioned it. So props mm-hmm. to English degree. Um, hey <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope one of my professors is listening to this Gilmore Girls podcast so I can <laughs> proudly say I'm using my training. And obviously the most beneficial way of uh, yeah. listeners Gilmore Girls <laughs> Um, But yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, I'm not sure if I can say it you know, how to answer that second question, but, like, I can see why they made those characters. You know, they could have written any lover to be, like, this is Lorelai's, this is going to be Lorelai's lover, this is going to be Rory's first boyfriend kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. maybe they did write them that way to kind of show, like, the complexities and the similarities of the girls with each Mm. other. Like, I don't know if it's to help develop the girls or their relationship with the girls and not necessarily much about the love interests. Um, It might be. I mean, yeah, because spoiler alert, neither of these are going to stick. Exactly. So, exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah. I really never thought about that, man. Yeah, the- I never thought about that. That was insightful. Yeah. It just, it really struck me for the first time watching this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and another kind of thing, too, that I love that we're getting into, like, analysis, analysis. This makes my heart really happy. Um, <laughs> another thing I was thinking about in Lorelai and Max's banter, one of the things that's most soothing to me, one of the things that's like most quintessentially Gilmore to me are all the pop cultural references that I don't understand because they're before my time, which was Uh one of the things that really freaks me out about A Year in the Life because I was like, I know what Lorelai is joking about and I hate that. So... (laughs) Amen. (laughs) um, So we obviously know that Lorelai is extremely pop culture literate and has a huge love for, like, classic movies that we obviously get to see develop over the years. But, like, Max is an early modernist. He's a literary guy. And they're, it's, like, she's really pop culture and he's really high culture. So, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, where was I going with this? Oh, I, I'm wondering, how do we see that between Lorelai and Rory? Because, you know, obviously, Rory has a lot of loves that Lorelai does not share. 
right um <laughs> like reading Marcel Proust or I think she reads Swan's Way doesn't she no, eventually she att- I think she attempts to <laughs> <laughs> god bless yeah. um <laughs> or you know reading her first Melville which if Grace Ann's listening, I'm sorry for the, the Moby Dick slander. Grace Ann absolutely loves Moby Dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, but, not... Okay. I want to revisit that real quick, because, like, who, who would choose... I mean, like, Rory's like, I know it's class to be my first Melville. I was like, well, who would think of another thing to be your first Melville? <laughs> yeah. No one else knows another Melville. Like, so, yeah. Well, so legitimate. <laughs> yeah. I read... I actually read my first Melville senior year of undergrad and it was a short story which was great but i'm not gonna read moby dick um oh okay bartleby the scrivener guys get on it great short story but um yeah i've heard of it yeah like i am really curious about this time around like what are the kind of cultural differences between Lorelai and Rory like the things that they really care about that are really different yes um because obviously they're like so close two peas in a pod like really really tight but there are just these things about Rory's life like journalism or um like the kind of lit that she's really into or you know xyz that really just are not a part of Lorelai's life but that she like she stays up all night helping her study for her Shakespeare exam so like they do connect over these points of difference, but I'm just really fascinated by them in a new way this time. Yeah. Also, we are 40 minutes into recording and we're like six minutes into this episode. <laughs> so, this thing. I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, I, apparently this is my hosting style is like deep dive into two <laughs> minutes worth of content. So we got to keep it going. I love for it. Our four to six <laughs> listeners. Um, okay. Oh, okay. This is the tiniest thing. But I love the little rainbow scarf that Rory wears in this episode. I love it so much. It's so cute. Oh, I love her. She's cute as a button. Oh, my gosh. And her little yellow backpack. Both of you have now, like, commented on, like, Rory's, like, cute little fashion. Like, you're like, (laughs) these are things that I'm, like, not on my radar on you. But, like, did you see that sweater? (laughs) I've seen it 84 times, but I don't necessarily comment on it. But... (laughs) It's really, to me, it's really sweet because it reminds me of Leah in high school. Yes. Which we haven't, we haven't talked about this enough, but one of the elements of the super cool party people friendship are the like very frequent comparisons that have been made between Rory and Leah. Yes. And this is another one for sure. Cute yeah. little rainbow hey. scarf. Totally a mood. Oh, well. Before Kelsey eat. Like Kelsey and I had like a back and forth text conversation about how Leah is like Rory without. Like, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> so I mean, for any listeners out there who aren't the four to six that already know her, literally she's as Rory as you can find. So oh. she's she's not gonna steal a yacht, but yeah. <laughs> right, let's hope like, not. I don't know. Good. <laughs> Leah's like you never know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how the next few years go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You think you know a person and then she steals a yacht. <laughs> yeah, man. When you think about, though, if we're bringing up the yacht, when you think about Rory now and like her personality and how drastic she changes yeah. throughout the next like even four seasons, I guess. Yeah. yeah. To whenever that happens, it's like, man, wow. Which I guess these are crucial developmental years. Sure. As far as like personality and 
don't know. Emotionally. Maybe, maybe we should caveat that Leah is like seasons one through three, Rory. So. <laughs> yeah. That is a high compliment. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. hey, it's the truth. It and is, I think another, man, this episode, we're like opening all our little controversial worm cans that we're yeah. going to continue dipping into throughout the podcast in the course of the series. But, um, one thing that I was going to say, like one of my controversial, maybe Rory opinions is that I really believe in her decision-making less and less as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say that I dislike Rory because I really love her. Um, and kind of like Mr. King, you know, talking about the romantic, like Rory is wonderful and she never does anything wrong. And I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot easier time with that early Gilmore. It's when yep. we get into, you know, like mid Yale years when we yep. get to a certain snake in the grass no. uh, who is a Huntsberger. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Like there's decision making and even year in the life. I'm like, girl, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of like heartbreaking to see how like, you know, the turns that her life takes because of her priorities and decisions later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's still Rory and we still love her and she's delightful and witty and wonderful. But yeah, it's like, that's another, I think, big part of the series is seeing how Rory's decisions and priorities change as she grows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's I, I, neat because again, I think if anyone knows the three of us, we do have these commonalities. Like we're all in education. We're all pretty... I think we both we all stand in our morals and we're all very academically um, advanced and like so those are the things we love about Rory but I do remember like watching I think like a special of course because I've done all my research <laughs> and like they're like it's very important to the creators of the show who created Rory to see the, her development which might be virtual to what people wanted of her and so I was like all right well like then I have to respect it I was like I'm not gonna say I'm not disappointed in Rory because that's who we are as educators I think oh um, but also like it is like that's what they wanted and that was the vision they had for her so I'm just like okay my heart will hurt as I watch her make another bad decision but it's okay so yeah yeah <laughs> um okay <laughs> brief turnaround because we've dipped into some like really serious like moral quandaries of like how do you continue to believe in someone despite their poor decision making (laughs) and what are the ethics of Lorelai dating her daughter's teacher um we gotta talk about Rich Blumenfeld I just want to hear all about him how did we we feel oh wow I just love Lane I, I feel like in this episode I think it's good that, like, this early on, we have, like, a fairly serious conflict between her and Rory. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. this is, like, such a real thing for a high schooler to feel. Like, one of them being in a relationship and the other one being jealous of that. And, like, them trying to maintain a friendship now that they, like, don't go to the same school, even though they live in the same town. Mm -hmm. And, um like Lane having this crush on this boy and Rory just being distracted by all these other things. Um, and obviously Rory isn't even meaning like meaning to be distracted or not pay attention to Lane, but like Lane needs her, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's just a whole, I don't know. It's just a good um, reality 
that they presented and their um like kind of phone conversation even toward the end after Lane touches Rich Blumenfeld. <laughs> Yeah, but, oh, Rich Blumenfeld. It's funny because, like, you hear Lane talk about him, like, so much at the beginning of the episode, and then you see him for, like, two seconds. Exactly. We see his hair, his face for two seconds, and yes. never the word. And then I was like, <laughs> so vitally important it. to this episode, and I love that. Who is this actor that they hired? Aww. He did and a lovely job for those two seconds. He sure did. Great job. And he, yeah, and he didn't even have dialogue, so I bet he didn't even get paid that well. Yeah, man. He's, but he will always be himself. I was going to say, I was like, no other <laughs> three actor has as much hair and great hair as this guy does. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> and my I gosh. do have to say one thing that I noted when she like touches his hair and then sprints off, I was like, <laughs> Poor Lane. But, however, she still had the presence of mind to wait to cross the street. She, like... I know. But she, like, hesitates and the car is stopped and then she keeps running. And I just thought it was so cute. That's cute. I know that is so cute. She said... Well, another thing I was thinking about that maybe gets a little bit into Lane's character development is this, like, constant tension between rule following and doing what is expected of her especially from her mother but also really wanting to rebel so this Uh is like such a tiny thing but I noticed it and I don't think it was really intentional but I noticed it and it made me really happy um Lane wears her marching band hat the entire time she's in this episode even when she's at the inn even before she gets there and then there's like a really like <laughs> kind of annoying band director who's at the outside of the school once all the <laughs> marchers are there. And he says, people, please get in formation, hats on and instruments in place. And Lane has had her hat on and her instrument in place for like six hours by now. <laughs> <laughs> so like it again, I don't think that was intentional. I don't mean to imply that the Sherman Palladinos really, you know, went in that that in detail with the character development, but it's just such a fascinating kind of example of we're seeing Lane really wrestle with what if I want to be with a boy who's not Korean? Mm-hmm. Um, how, what is like my life look like as my mom has these really strong religious beliefs that kind of really affect the things I'm allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I express myself and my relationship with Rory and like having Lorelai as kind of like second cool maternal figure. Um, like, we're really beginning to see a lot of that tension for Lane. We saw her secret closet um, yes. Yes. a was that- couple episodes ago, Yeah, I think, right. um, which will continue to come weird. back to yeah. us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Lane is such a fascinating character. She's so independent and mm. enjoyable. She really navigates her social worlds, like pretty competently despite this huge um mess up with touching rich blumenfeld's hair he sure does um yeah i just really love her and i thought that was sweet also okay this is the nitpickiest thing ever but i have a question for leah former um marching band member (laughs) extraordinaire um so they're outside it's winter time Mm -hmm. so they have metal instruments primarily outside Mm -hmm. in the cold and he says um, the band director says, please don't put your mouths to your instruments until we're inside. Remember what happened to the flautist last year. Why would a flautist, a flautist wouldn't have their mouth on their instrument, would they? Well, 
their uh they kind of touch their mouthpiece to like their lower lip okay right below their bottom lip okay yeah because I, I was like think it's not like I mean I guess it would be different with like a saxophone you have a reed so it's not all metal but I was yeah. just thinking like how would you how would a flautist me imagining in my head what a mouth looks like playing the flute uh-huh. <laughs> I was like <laughs> would yeah, that even touch yeah I I don't know what I guess he is um like I guess he's saying that their mouth got stuck yeah yeah like I don't know what the odds are like that that would actually happen to a person you know because like we played out which it's not Connecticut it's Tennessee but (laughs) played outside in football games in like November and December and like the Christmas parade downtown in December and like our mouths didn't get stuck to our instruments (laughs) we were okay (laughs) so I don't know yeah, part of me wondered if that they just really wanted an excuse to use the word flautist because it's a really good word. <laughs> said we really need to throw this in here. Okay. <laughs> um, my friends, I hate to say this, but I think I'm going to have to bounce, um, which I know that there's so much left that we could talk about in this episode so I always also want to say I can um well I think this is real I can pop off this recording and y'all can continue discussing I I yeah sad that I cannot participate in the rest of the discussion but it has been so fun up to this point and you all I'm sure will have so many good thoughts to share (laughs) oh Leah we're so glad we had you and I'm sorry my hosting style is so chaotically in depth (laughs) we didn't get farther yet do not apologize it has been so good this is so fun yeah all right well we love you Leah thanks for potting with us of course continue discussing Max Medina and all of the lovely people in this episode man season one is just so good it is so good (laughs) amen All right. Have a great Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Oh, man. Okay. We're going to have to really, this is going to take like a Herculean feat of self-discipline to (laughs) remain focused. We really have to watch what we say here. (laughs) Yeah. I I know we like giggle. (laughs) I re-listened to the beginning of that episode that we started without Leah and it's entirely incomprehensible. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we've had time. We're warmed up. We can stay focused. It'll be okay. I think so, Um, Yeah, for our four to six listeners, (laughs) Mr. King and I are just both really giggly, and we we're like loquaciously giggly too. Oh yes, oh yes, and so like Leah performs. I mean, many functions in our friendship as a group, but one of them is being the kind of sensical glue that keeps us all focused and generally calm and safe. So sometimes I wonder how she stands us, but. But she does, and we love her. She (laughs) really does. Um, Well, kind of, I'm surprised by how well we've covered a lot of the kind of bigger thematic and analytical points I wanted to get to. Yeah, I Um, think the least number of notes this time. I mostly just had a bunch of quotes that made me giggle. Oh my gosh. Well, we definitely need some more of those. Oh, a great (laughs) one from what we were just talking about. You have everything now, and I have nothing except for 2,000 Korean Bibles and a potential F in jazz band. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. Oh my goodness. The, 
the lane delivery of lines is just phenomenal i think that's why i love her and suki because they're the sidekicks but they're both just like that was phenomenal my a line that i want to make sure i get in was a suki line and it's like made me laugh every time because it's more about the timing the line itself isn't that funny it's when like Lorelai comes in the end she's like loving the snow and Michelle is being a curmudgeon he's like not everyone loves the snow making something out of a buttocks like talking about yes like, that him. cracks me up and he's like maybe you should make them in the shape of a buttocks and like and then um <laughs> Suki's like uh okay is that a real suggestion and I'm like no Suki <laughs> <laughs> and Lorelai's like, like, who is talking? And she's like, right. Michelle. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, like, that... The way she does that is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, like, bringing up the juxtaposition, or not just juxtaposition, but um, the comparison between Suki as Lorelai's, like, quote unquote sidekick and Lane as Rory's, like, yeah. it's really fascinating. They're really different people. Yes. And they really it, are. It was interesting to get to see them interact. I think this was our first Lane and Suki interaction this episode with the Rocky Road cookies. I think so. Which, yeah, I don't think we end up seeing a ton between the two of them specifically, but Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating seeing them as kind of, not foils to Lorelai and Rory, but, you know, constant companions over the years. Exactly. Um, Well, one of my favorite scenes is when the four of them go see the Bengals together yes how like Suki is like I got four tickets like me and you like one for you and one for Lane like she is just Mm -hmm. excited to take Lane to the concert I'm like Suki is just such a good friend she is aunt figure to both Lorelai or both Rory and her friend Lane like and that is um speaking of uh, we forgot to mention to our four to six listeners the oh. really exciting new feature of our podcast. I don't know if it's actually a new feature of our podcast. Uh, weird holiday commemorations. <laughs> because um, for, <laughs> I was going to say for those who don't know, which would be literally everyone except for me, you and Aaliyah. Uh, I'm like, for those who don't know, the name of our group text <laughs> which is literally everyone who's listening um (laughs) it was recently aunts and uncles day mr king brought this to our shared attention so happy uncle day to you beloved beloved uncle thank you um oh a fun piece of podcast trivia that we didn't mention at all like where the name of our podcast comes from um right we never explained that at all, but it's really fun. Um, so I don't even have any memory of what episode it's in, but super cool party people. When you look it up on Spotify, you might notice that there are two episodes of two different Gilmore Girls podcasts that have that in the name. Yeah. Um, and when Grace Ann was actually looking up our podcast, she was like, what is this? Are these people like plagiarizing you? And I was like, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a line from an episode. Yeah, we're but, plagiarizing Gilmore <laughs> Exactly. We are all plagiarizing the same source material. But um, yeah, super cool party people was the name of our group text for probably a year or two. Yeah, it was the, it's the longest one we had, I feel like. Yeah, we've we've gone through many names, a few yeah. of which would make sense. Um vis-a-vis emoji leggings <laughs> um, that, 
That one was really marvelous. And I kind of, we, oh gosh, we can't go there. But I kind of resent. Was that the one you don't want to go to? Oh, no. But I kind of resent iMessage for not, there's no way you can go back and see what your former group message names were, to my knowledge. Unless I just keep scrolling. Yeah, yeah forever and ever. But we've gone through some really great ones. Our current, our current name is um, the Maiden Ants and Bachelor Uncle Club, I yeah. think. Yes. That's, that's it. I'm reading it right now. Oh, please do. Oh, it's so sweet. And so, and it's, okay, from a, well, you, you found it. It was from a poem, is that right? Uh, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter, but it's a quotation by Louisa May Alcott, who wrote that's, Little Women. That's it. And we chose that for the name of our text group because we all consider ourselves very much to be beloved aunt and uncle type people. <laughs> I particularly, I'm an actual uncle. Um, wait, are you yeah. an aunt? I'm not, not yet. Okay, I was like, isn't, is your is your brother thinking about having kids? Okay, anyways. <laughs> Let's <laughs> reveal know, personal life details. <laughs> and, well, I should actually send this to my sister-in-law. I don't know how she would... <laughs> I don't know how she would vibe with the banter, but she does love Gilmore. Oh. Um, but do you have that quotation so we can read it? It's actually super sweet. I think I do. Um, it says, so I am an uncle to nine, and I like to consider myself to be the world's best uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I loved Uncle, everyone. Just, I mean, okay. Here's here's the quote. The most motherly and fatherly hearts often beat in the chest of maiden aunts and bachelor uncles, who for whatever reason have no children and yet make every child feel loved like their own. Mm. And that is literally me. I love, I mean, I love my nephew and nieces so large. It's almost unhealthy, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best. But, well, and that's also, I mean legitimate life thing and also legitimate to the like ongoing criticism of this episode like part of being a teacher is like having kids that aren't yours yes and we yes. see max medina not doing a great job of this um yes, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. i really think even when i was a teenager when it's when the show was live this is why i vibed with gilmore girls so much because being pretty academically are i vibed with that side of rory Mm-hmm. Seeing how much Suki, Lorelai, even you know Emily and Richard loved Rory as the roles they played, I was like, "That's the kind of teacher I'd like to be." Yeah, um, you know, like, and then seeing you know also like the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the drive to go to an Ivy League school, which I didn't do, of course, uh, of course, to make it sound. <laughs> but like we're all pretty academically minded and we and we are pretty driven tried to work hard for my achievements like i see a lot of these and i you know all of aspects of my life and so this whole one is one that like was new for me i like as soon as my first nephew was born i was like oh my gosh i've never felt this way before so and now like I, i could like parallel that with Oh, now I see how Suki loves Laura, like, um, Alexis. Yeah. Uh, Rory's so <laughs> She <laughs> just loves Alexis Bledel. <laughs> what a phenomenal lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think something that kind of is a, an ongoing theme and that really comes up in episode seven, like we were talking about the end where uh, Lorelai is like, Dean, you need to watch out because this girl is beloved in this town. She is. Like, we really see, like, the kind of 
I don't know if it's the idea of like found family or there's a lot of tension between Lorelai's family of origin with, you know, all of the prim and proper 12 petticoats on an infant, which by the way, uh, (laughs) Emily. Okay. First of all, I don't even think you can put 12 petticoats on an infant. I don't know that that's possible without strangling the infant, but that aside, Emily getting all uppity about, uh, Miss Thing spilled grape juice on that dress two minutes after this picture was taken. Who serves grape juice to an infant in a white dress with 12 petticoats? 100% agree. I'm like, that is your fault. Get get over it. But (laughs) I mean, okay, that aside, which I wish we had had more time to talk about. Again, my hosting, I'm sorry that I'm just like, let's talk about every minute detail that doesn't matter in any way. I think but, they um, Nope, the listeners love it. The readers love it. <laughs> our, the many readers of our podcast. <laughs> uh, for those who are re-watching our podcast or reading it, um, <laughs> something, again, that I'm really noticing this time Um, and that the aunts and uncles thing really ties into is obviously a central tension of the show is the tension between Lorelai's family of origin and her family of procreation, like sociological terms. But like her family of procreation isn't just Rory and Christopher. It is Suki. It is Jackson. It is Michelle. It is so many different people. And so like, we're really kind of, I mean, even Babette and Maury are a part of their family. So it's like, it's like, we're kind of beginning to see the working out of, okay, what does family mean to the older Gilmores? Like when we get like Lorelai the first, for example. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we see, I was totally blown away by this. I had entirely forgot. Emily has a sister she never talks to who expatriated to France and is never mentioned again. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like we're seeing, for all that, you know, Emily says about like family obligation and Friday night dinners are my thing and like beginning to really care about family. And we see that evolve. Like we see Richard coming to love Rory. Sure. Um, But like for all of Emily's talk about what she thinks family means to her, she hasn't talked to her sister in decades. Oh, that's such a good point. Oh my gosh. And for Lorelai, I mean, her relationship with her biological family is really strained with her parents, mm-hmm. but she has this huge chosen family in Stars yep. Hollow that has helped to raise Rory. And I mean, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't think of her name. Who is the first, the owner of the inn who gave uh, Lorelai her first job? Okay. Now that you say that, I feel awful. I know this. Um, okay. Mia. Let me Mia, yes. Yeah. I mean, Mia, that tension, oh my gosh, that is a tense episode. Sure. When, yeah. oh when Mia and Emily are meeting for the first time. So like really season one is setting up so many of these dynamics that we'll continue to explore about like, what does family mean? Especially when there has never been a stable paternal or marital influence in Rory's life Yeah. with Lorelai's, you know, romantic life being the way it's been. So, yeah, it's just fascinating. We are an hour and five minutes in, so we really <laughs> need to wrap this up. But I feel like we've hit, like, we've hit some sort of stride today, I feel like. This, no. we, we're beginning to find our footing. And I must repeat again how marvelous the episode was with Kelsey. Oh, my gosh. We have to get her back on the pod. She, she, is, she is why she is smart. So Yes, she, ma'am. 
happen. So, and like, I, and yeah, I, I want to find the right. Well, she can come on every episode, honestly, but um, please. I, <laughs> so I'd love for all four of us to be together. But yes, and, that'd be amazing. I don't think I have much of any other like major things. I think I had one. <laughs> the tiniest quote it's like literally in the background that made me get goal and it's like when they're like watching the reenactors and be like uh and like it's right before like lorelei something like there goes the fire chief the policeman the one third neck they're like <laughs> and like because you look over real quick and taylor's saying who's stepping on my musket it's taylor saying that. <laughs> and it's kirk. the response is kirk goes that would be me so, <laughs> like, like the normal human response is to get off of the musket or be like oh i'm sorry <laughs> Because it's me. I'm the one stepping on the musket. And I'm like, it doesn't even stop stepping on it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up. A, because Kirk is finally Kirk and not Nick, I think. Okay. Ew. So, first of all, Kirk is finally becoming Kirk, which is marvelous. It is. Um, I guess was he still so he's Mick when he works to install the DSL. Is he also Mick when he was like the new assistant manager at Dosies or whatever? No, I think he was only Nick for the one episode. Okay, so, so then he was Kirk. Yeah. Um, but I, a little line that absolutely cracked me up in that same scene, and we can, I guess, end the episode here, unless you had a question to ask, no. but we don't have Leah here to answer it, sadly. Yeah, it's like... Um, yeah, but this line absolutely cracked me up. When Luke is talking about his dad as a reenactor, he says he even had his own musket, never had to rent it. Um, does this does this imply the existence of like a thriving New England musket rental service (laughs) (laughs) what what like is that just a regional thing because I get New England's like really historical it's a different place up there I also don't know technically if Connecticut's in New England I think there are only six states in New England and Connecticut is okay is Connecticut in New England first of all um Yes, it is. Okay, so can, uh, New England is Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Okay. Oh, my. So, yes, Connecticut. I, I always think when I hear of a state in the Northeast, I'm like, that's in New England. I thought New York was in New England. It is not. I, I actually knew that. I don't know why I knew that, but it's like the one that's right out of New England. Yeah, so, which seems confusing given that York is an English name. It has new yes. in front of it, yeah. but it's not in New England. Um, but this, yeah, I just was so cracked up by the, the thought about like musket rentals and like, (laughs) is this just like a regional thing? Like, are there, are there strange rental services in the Midwest that I don't know about yet that I'm going to find out about? Like, why don't you start searching? See what you can rent out in Indiana. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was going to say corn, but why would you rent corn? (laughs) What are you going to give back? (laughs) Like a corn husting machine or something. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm sure there's some type of farm equipment. But that line just cracked me up. Oh my gosh. And it just reminds me of like, there's a reason we all love this show. There's a reason like, even with, you know, the difficult life decisions, yacht theft, etc. Later on, like... And it's also, it sounds like I'm really ganging up on Rory. Lorelai makes plenty of decisions I don't agree with either. Um, see, for example, dating Max Medina in this episode. But um, <laughs> yeah, this isn't meant to be like a gang up on Rory Fest by any means. But 
Um, I think, I mean, one of the reasons that we all so enduringly love this show is because of the little quirks like that, like Kirk yeah. standing on Taylor's musket and, you know, <laughs> selling drug paraphernalia lava lamps. Uh, like, there are just <laughs> so many <laughs> little quirky things to love about the show and the dialogue. And I'm really just appreciating anew this time. The writing is so wonderful. Um, really, really good. But all right, it has been an hour and 10 minutes. This has been uh, our, I guess, third full episode of Super yeah. Cool Party People. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So thank you to our four to six listeners. Um, Get in there. You could literally have driven across, like, the state of Tennessee at this point. <laughs> you, you really could have. Um, I could have driven to Indianapolis by now. <laughs> um, yeah. We appreciate you all for listening. I appreciate you, Mr. King and Leah, who is sadly, uh, I was going to say sadly departed, which sounds extre- <laughs> extremely R. I. morbid. R.I.P. <laughs> dearly beloved. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to mourn <laughs> Leah. Uh, <laughs> gone from these shores. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was really, really fun. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, yeah. Love you. I hope you have a great Wednesday and a wonderful vacation. Thank you. We'll probably record when I get back. I'll be in touch soon. Woo-woo. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.